When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Endy, the Canadian mattress company. I will tell you about the Endy Inc. campaign. This is a mattress company that wants to give you a free tattoo. They are headquartered in Toronto, and their signature product, the Endy Mattress, is Canadian-made, and they sell exclusively within Canada, and it is cheaper because they don't have to pay conversions or shipping or things like that. Go to endy.ca and use the promo code CANADALAND for $50 off of any mattress. This episode is also brought to you by Sonos, makers of the new Sonos Beam, the smart compact soundbar for your television. It is Amazon Alexa enabled for easy voice control. It delivers crystal clear, richly detailed sound for movies, shows, and video games. Pre-order the Sonos Beam now at Sonos.com and start your home sound system today. Hey, Jen Wong. Hi. Jen Wong, journalist, professor, author. All of the above. And I do dishes, too. (laughs) Sometimes while you're doing journalism, if I remember. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to talk about Rogers Publishing. They are staying the course, fighting digital disruption of magazines by offering increasingly shitty magazines. (laughs) That'll work. Finally, we will talk about BuzzFeed's Sachi Cole. She has crashed the Rebels annual conference, and she has found common ground, mutual respect, and no, none of those things at all. (laughs) It's good to have you back. Nice to be here.
This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Leslie Muir, Amanda Smith, Allison McLaren, Ashley Chapman, Garrett Hingst, Jose Espinoza, Stacey Boitler, and Jeffrey Dvorkin. I support Canada Land because a lot of media organizations pay lip service to media accountability, but Canada Land actually walks the walk and talks the talk. In a small country like Canada, media criticism is difficult to do because people are nervous about criticizing or biting the hand that, that might feed them. But it really is a public service to the people of Canada. I really encourage people to support Canada Land. And as mentioned, this episode, Jan, is brought to you by Endy. You are a proud Canadian, Jan Yes, Wong. I am. Prove it. Endy wants you to prove it <laughs> by entering into their True North Pride contest. They're going to give free tattoos to people. Well, that's just what I want, a free tattoo. A free patriotic Canadian tattoo. <laughs> this is all because we're in a trade war with, with America. Oh. There's a reason why a mattress company wants to give you a free Canadian patriotic tattoo, and that is because... We're in a trade war. Buy Canadian. That's what they're saying. Buy Canadian. You know what? Buy Canadian because it's cheaper to buy Canadian because they make these things here, and they manufacture them here, and they don't have to ship them from another country, and they pay less at the border, and you know, no... But what does the tattoo look like? You've got to pick. If you win this contest, depending on your city, if you are in Calgary, Vancouver, or Toronto, they have different site-specific Canadian tattoos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my thoughts on Canadian patriotism are well uh, documented, but some of these tattoos are actually kind of kind of stylish. Have a look. If this is for you, I'm not saying you should do this. Look, what I'm telling everybody is that you should let a mattress company tattoo your skin permanently. If you buy a mattress, do you have to get a tattoo? <laughs> Look, read the small print, Jan Wong. Uh-oh. Um, Get a lawyer. Go to ND.ca <laughs> and check out the ND Inc. contest and use the promo code CANADALAND. You'll get $50 off of their mattresses, which are already the cheapest mattress in a box and the bestest mattresses in a box you're going to find. Jan Rogers has laid off a third of its digital and publishing staff. Rogers, of course, being the publishers of the storied Canadian magazines, McLean's, McLean's Chatelaine. Today's parent. They've Hello, already killed, yeah, yeah. They already got rid of the print versions of Flair, Sportsnet, Money Sense, and Canadian Business. And I know people who lost their jobs a long time ago at McLean's and other places. And I was like, how do you, how do you lay off? Like, how many people even work there anymore? How is this even possible? Right. How can you put out a magazine? Well, they're barely doing it. Yeah. And then you've got Chatelaine, which under Leanne George really carved out a bold editorial direction. And I think, you know, maybe taking some notes from Teen Vogue, which you're not expecting it from here, but we're going to do very serious. We're going to kind of look philosophically like this is a magazine for women. Well, women are interested in lots of things. Mm -hmm. And right now, things that women are interested in are some of the newsiest, most serious yeah. and important issues. And so you had Sarah Bosveld doing a lot of reporting the Gomeshi trial and elsewhere around the Me Too movement and, and issues of sexual misconduct and assault. That was some of the best reporting that we had of, of those issues. It's kind of like when you realize like everything that we can throw at a trend as journalists, like you, to have a great visionary editor and to have a great team and everybody's like united around an idea of how they're going to rebrand this thing and fight. But just like the winds that are blowing back at them are just way too strong. And it's really disheartening to see that just sort of like, yeah, that was great. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Bozeville was laid off. And then Leanne George, uh, she, she, laughed. she laughed like I yeah. can't do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. What do you think? I think it's terrible and I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's they weren't cutting meat or fat. They are cutting now the bone. They're like amputating themselves. 
And they think that because nothing else is working, so let's just cut costs. But of course, I think everyone knows that if you cut the reporters and the editors, you don't get the product. Yeah. It's kind of like a factory that says, okay, we're losing money, so let's just shut down the part that makes the motors and we'll just sell the car without the motor. Yeah. Right? It's not going to work, so it's very scary. No, I mean, responding to decrease in readership and a decrease in interest in your product with a, a poorer product. And as usual, it's accompanied with the same rhetoric of like, we're able to do this without there being any change in the product, you know, and that's right. su- such an insult to the people on their way out. But, you know, what else is new? Well, yeah. I think the larger thing for me about this is just it's very clear from a bird's eye view of what Rogers is up to, I mean, this is the smallest of small potatoes to them, their magazine publishing arm. They are having a content crisis in the billion dollar range where they've bought the hockey rights for billions and billions of dollars and they, they you know, snatched them away from CBC by just massively overpaying for this in an age when young people aren't watching sports the same way. And it's that was their last big content play mm-hmm. with their Vice deal. You know, even that one, just $100 million or $50 million in actual yeah. was, you know, paled in comparison. They're getting out of content. Because there's no money in it. Well, yeah, not for them anyhow. Like people basically are getting everything through the internet. So just, and they control the pipes. So they'll get the money there. Yeah. And there is this limbo that everything is in. Like it would just be so great if they're just like, fine, we're not in the content business anymore. We're done. And they are unwilling to kill these things. So you want the other two thirds of the people working there to like get fired? (sighs) They've said that they want to sell. They've made noises about that they would sell McLean's if there was anybody to take it. Nobody will buy it. I know. It's no money. There's no money. I think that they're operating this whole thing, but they still get like a million dollars a year from the Canadian Periodical Fund. So I think they're just trying to like operate it at cost and they don't want to be the big bad guys that kill McLean's and Mm. Chatelaine, Mm. you know, but like who does that serve to keep this thing on life support? Like it's miserable. Like this was a serious. (laughs) He wanted to shoot the dog. I always feel like, you know, you create market opportunities. Like McLean's still has this brand that is like, it makes it very hard for anybody else to get into that space. You know, there's there already is a news magazine. It's the story. That you're going to come compete with that? Look at the It's been here forever. And they can't make a go of it. So I why would anyone? I think you're blaming the victim now. Like you're You think it's okay to, to, to just keep it hobbling along? I don't know what's okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's really sad. But I'd hate to see the other two-thirds also lose their jobs. I mean, I don't know what that one-third, those 75 full-time journalists are going to do. I don't know where they're going to go. I just, it's so depressing now. Yeah. This, uh, I don't like to see anybody lose their jobs, but what I kind of have noticed is that young, talented, well, let's lose the young. <laughs> it's all relative. People work, you know, like yeah. like you lay them off, you take away an opportunity, they start looking for the next one. They either build their own thing or they go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, this constant conversation about, you know, all oh, these journalists laid off, laid off. Yeah, it's awful. And I'm sure that there's like kind of periods of transition and depression in between. Some leave the field and some find jobs and some make their own jobs. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's part of what they call creative destruction in an economic sense. Something happens and the industry just can't survive the way it used to. And we've seen this with the taxis. We've seen this with hotels and, you know, Airbnb, taxis and Uber. And and we're seeing this with McLean's and the Internet. I mean, I don't think you can retool traditional media and have it survive. They're all desperately trying to retool. I mean, the L.A. Times just hired... Norm Perlstein, uh, formerly of the Wall Street Journal. I mean, I worked at the Wall Street Journal a million years ago, and he was the editor then. And now I'm going, what? 
and I checked, he's like 75. Yeah. And the LA Times, after a lot of, I mean, it was just bought by this uh, Chinese American doctor, right? And it's the first time it's locally owned in 18 years. And he interviewed lots uh-huh. of people and he ended up choosing a 75 year old white dude uh-huh. for Los Angeles. So, you know, That's strange. Well, Pearlston is good, but yeah. I think it would have been better to hire someone younger. The locally owned thing is interesting. And, yeah. and I want to amend my earlier incendiary comments because I could, you know, I already hear the emails coming in about being so cold and indifferent to these layoffs. I mean, oh. the, the ultimate solution is not just kill them and let these things die. And I feel the same way about a lot of the local post media newspapers. The best thing would be if they were sold back to their employees or donated yeah. and became nonprofits yeah. to the communities. Yeah. Like, the thing that I'm against is, is not. Oh, like, I'm not trying to just kill everything that's old. You know, it's it's like if there are people who want to put out McLean's and there are people who want to read McLean's and the McLean's brand is still worse than the archives and the masthead. You is sound still like something, a communist. Let let the people. <laughs> Let no, it be the it people's be origin. For, no, you know, I, I don't know. I think it'd be really great. Because the thing is, like, the scale at which McLean's might be able to be profitable is, like, a rounding error for Rogers, you know? I think the, that's a great idea. So, and then they could get out of their whole problem of we don't want to be the bad guys who kill yeah. McLean's and Chatelaine. And they don't, because the people who work there won't, aren't doing it to get rich. They just want to put it out. So as long as they can get enough salary to live on, that's what they're asking for. And Rogers is closing it because they want to make money from it. That's it. Right. It's just better to be so communism. You want an effort that's actually, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, La Presse. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that, we'll that's, see. Uh, but you know, what newspaper was it in the U.S.? I can't remember the name. Somewhere in the South, they all got laid off, and the journalists went off and are now. Yesterday, they announced they're opening their own local newspaper. Yeah. So maybe. I mean, why not? I, I feel like there is a margin for good old fashioned capitalism, but it's just it's a very narrow one. You yeah. know, like those yeah. days of like double digit profit margins for newspapers year after year. That's yeah. done. Those you know? good old days are done. Jen Wong, it is time for Duly Noted. We're going to note some things that people should know about. What do you have? I thought I'd talk about Chinese proverbs. Ivanka Trump tweeted this. This proverb. That's the last thing she said, by the way. She's remained extremely quiet about the border. But the last thing Ivanka Trump tweeted was, and this is when her dad was on his way to North Korea. She said, those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt those doing it. And then she goes, Chinese proverb. Well, it's not a Chinese proverb. And I really hate when people say these stupid fortune cookie things and call them Chinese proverbs. While I'm on the topic... Long time no see is actually a Chinese phrase. That's not a proverb, but they say it. But when people translate it into English, they make it sound like Chinese don't know grammar. They actually say long time no see, but it really means it's been a long time since I saw you. And then there's another Chinese proverb, which is not a Chinese proverb. May you live in interesting times. Uh-huh. That's not a Chinese it's not proverb. not a Chinese proverb? No. But then this is really funny because when the Chinese were attacking Donald Trump for the tariffs he's trying to impose on $50 billion worth of their goods, the People's Daily wrote an editorial and they said, the wise build bridges and the foolish build walls. And everybody thought that's a Chinese proverb. And of course, they made a lot of fun about the Great Wall, right? But it's actually a Nigerian proverb. Uh-huh. So I, I think we should just dump these proverbs. No proverbs. What's the origin of the Ivanka Trump quote? Oh, well, Where did that come she from? just made it up. Uh-huh. No, no, no. That proverb is there, but nobody knows what it is, but it's definitely not Chinese. Definitely not Chinese proverb. Definitely not Chinese. People should know if they're quoting fortune cookies as Chinese proverbs. <laughs> I applied. Well, I didn't apply. I lived next to the Wings Fortune oh, Cookie did? Factory when I lived in Montreal. Oh. And one day I, I went in. I thought, you know, I'm going to try to get a writing job. And I uh, I went and presented myself as, they an, need people. as an English student of a nearby university. And they took my pitches. Oh, they did? Yeah, so what? Like, do you, you remember you any of pitches. them? 
because they desperately need it. They run out all the time. You know, you never want to get the same fortune twice, right? So they have a real problem finding fresh material. So do you remember any of your fortunes? Among my rejected fortunes, they were all rejected for being too depressing. <laughs> Be like the lamb that jumps for the knife. Oh, my God. No wonder. <laughs> so did they pay you a kill fee? No, no a kill, kill fee. fee. Get it? No, I faxed <laughs> them these depressing fortunes. Oh. And the owner, who was a member of a storied family. Oh, like, I know them. You yeah, do? Yeah, I course, know them. Of course right. we know yeah. each other. You're, Montreal, you're Chinese. In the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. 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 And they had pictures of their, of, of, I think his grandfather was in the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force. And it yeah, was just really interesting, so. yeah. um, interesting family. And he said, your fortunes make me feel sad. <laughs> a fortune should make a person feel good. And that was the end of your career. That was it. That was my first rejection oh. letter as a, as a writer. Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to duly note an incredible investigation by the team at CBC Indigenous. Jorge Barrera, who is uh, the investigator formerly of APTN, who kind of co-broke the Joseph Boyden story along with Robert Jago. Jorge had a story with Tiffany Foxcroft about these DNA tests where you try to find out, you know, what am I made up of? Where do I come from? And not the most famous one, that 23andMe or whatever it's called. There's some, some other service, which is a popular one here in Canada. Viagard Metrics. That's the one where somebody got suspicious because all of the results were telling people that they were 20% indigenous. So they sent a little vial of their dog's saliva. Right. Dog's 20% indigenous. A chihuahua. Chihuahua. Named 20%. Snoopy. <laughs> Snoopy. CBC, in their own investigation, sent samples from their own employees. I believe the, some of them or originally families from India, people who are not 20%. Yeah, a Russian. They got a Russian yeah. employee and two employees from India. And they also came back showing about 20% indigenous ancestry. Why is this company giving everybody these fraudulent results? Well, if you have any indigenous ancestry in one of these DNA test results, you can get this sort of off-brand, unofficial <laughs> Indian status card. Right. Okay. And Which I, fools a lot of people, apparently. Yes. And there are various places where you I, could- I need to get one. Apparently, it's, pull it off. it's like whatever, 80 You can't bucks tell away. the difference, you know, between Asians and indigenous. Do you know that? Like, people really can't tell us apart. We There was a joke in our Canada Land Guide to Canada from uh, Melissa Deleary, and, and we had some, some very funny people who were saying, like, this is like the guide to indigenous life, like, move to the city and pass for Asian. Exactly. You know, oh, uh, oh, that way. But I think it's better to move to the city and pass for indigenous. I was trying to buy a coat once in Saskatoon because I was freezing. It's freezing in Saskatoon no matter what month you're in. And when I went to paper, they said, can I have your card? Right. And I was like, Damn. And for renovation and stuff, like that, yeah. that savings can be like $25,000. Yeah. Like, and it's not true that indigenous people don't pay taxes, but there are it's certain types of taxes and certain sales tax in certain provinces and where there are incentives that are supposed to be for people who have status cards. Mm -hmm. And you can get one of these. These off-brand. You call it off-brand. Yeah. And that reminded fake. me of like. I, was I think like, they're what, fake. What was that thing that Joseph Boyden wrote about? when he was trying to protest that he, in fact, does have this link like to... Like, you really feel it, so it's okay. There's some affidavit where he included a photocopy of his Ontario Métis Aboriginal Association card, and he presented this as, he called this his status card. Really? Uh, for some kind of deal. That was reported in the Globe and Mail. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of wonder, which service did Joseph Boyden send his saliva off to? Was it this one that the CBC has exposed as giving fraudulent oh, results? Oh, that would be interesting. Has he done that? He hasn't done a saliva. He has. Oh, he has. When he was in that Aroglio. did he send it to this place that comes back saying you're 20%? He didn't say which one. Oh. Um, so that's a good question. Oh. Well, the only, uh, the way the government handles it is through records. 
Yeah. It's not through saliva and no. DNA. You, no, it's if not you about have that at all. Uh, band records or government records showing that one of your immediate relatives is indigenous, then you can get your official card. But yeah, they're doing this. It's always about money, right? It is. And it's really interesting. There's so much anxiety in this country that indigenous people are not paying their due or they're not paying taxes. They're somehow scamming the government. And this big fraud investigation is non indigenous people who are essentially looting. <laughs> Incentives and, and breaks and things that are in the system for yeah, Indigenous true. people. But I, I like the – I think people are also interested because of this DNA testing and you send in the dog and you get back, you know, this ridiculous. So I guess 23andMe seem to have come out with a slightly more reputable results yes. than this – what's it called? We should name it again so you know. Yes. Viagard Acumetrics or something. Viagard. If you want to if you want to yeah. prove that you got 20% yeah. indigenous heritage, that's, <laughs> that's the, where you go. That's if where you, you go. If you want to really know your ancestry, maybe you should go somewhere else. Yeah. Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Our second sponsor, Jan, is Sonos. Do you know about these smart speakers? Do you talk to a speaker at home? No, I just talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't talk to a speaker. I I barely check my voicemail. You probably didn't think that you would have a smartphone when they... That's but, true. And now you do, right? I do, but I'm the dumb person with the smartphone. So I can use it to make a phone call, <laughs> you know, and if you want to WeChat, that's a little iffy, but... I'm going to predict that it's not too long from now you're going to be shouting things at your speaker. And and perhaps it will be a Sonos speaker. The Sonos One, that's the speaker I have in my home. It is a very beautiful sounding speaker. Now you can shout at your speaker that is bringing sound from your television set. And it'll also speak to your other speakers. 
You talk to it. It's speaking to other speakers. The singularity is here. What would I say here. to it? Well, you would say, uh, you would say something like, what's traffic like on the way to Canada Land Studios? You could say, oh. turn the temperature up in my home. You could say, play the Canada Land podcast. You could say, give me a mix of aggressive, profane hip-hop. Whatever Jen Wong oh, says to a speaker. Oh, that's just what I want to say to it. Yeah. <laughs> I know how you roll. Or if it's, a, if it's a Sonos Beam, you could tell it that you'd like to watch a certain television show, and it'll remember where you were. If you were binging a show, it'll start oh, it right where it was. It does all these things, because it's Amazon Alexa-enabled. And you can pre-order your Sonos Beam when you go to Sonos.com, and you can start your home sound system today. Jan, BuzzFeed's Sachi Cole published a piece. The headline is, I went to a conference full of conservatives who hated my guts and told me so. Here is Ezra Levant telling her so from the Rebel Live conference. We do have some representatives of the fake news media here today. We've got some good, we got some good folks, but there is one person I just want to warn you about. Um, you know that dumpster fire called BuzzFeed? Sketchy, are you here? Sachi, there you are. Sachi, cool. Curl. I just want to read one of Sachi's tweets about you folks. Because I don't know if you follow Sachi. I don't think you do because you're not really into the BuzzFeed dumpster fire. I'm going to read uh, a tweet that, that Sketchy wrote about you. And um, I'm going to use, I'm going to swear just because I don't want to edit Sketchy. Who would want to do that? She said, Rebel produces hate speech. And here comes the swear. There's no good fucking reason to act like they're an alternative viewpoint it's just hate speech. Sketchy cool. Ladies and gentlemen, sketchy cool. Okay, so a bit of a summary of Saatchi's piece that resulted from that ugly bit of tape we just heard. Saatchi wrote, the organizers of the Rebel Live weren't interested in having a conversation, but they seemed happy to hurl slurs and insults. And she documents this day where she says she went to the Rebel Live because I was initially reporting a story about Canada's and specifically Toronto's alt-right but over the course of seven hours, I personally became a key target for the rebel speakers and their audience as they compared me to, quote, vaginal itching, unquote, intentionally mispronounced my name, we heard that, chanted, lock her up for me, called me a degenerate, mentally unstable, and thuggish, referred to me as a bigot, and asked if I was anti-Semitic. I am not. Later in the piece, she writes, I was not surprised that people made fun of my name or compared me to a diseased vagina, or suggested they'd rather I die than offer me mouth-to-mouth -mouth in a fictitious emergency. I was surprised that people started to feel bad about it. What did you think of this piece? Well, I have several thoughts. It was a really interesting piece, but I don't think reporters' problems are that interesting. But then I also think, because they're attacking the news media directly, it is interesting. And, oh, I have one more thought don't really give them any publicity. They had 200 people there. Who cares? But I think it is interesting that she went and she's very brave because it's pretty hard. And she said that they supplied bodyguards for her. She yeah. had to have two bodyguards who were standing so close to her. She said that they could basically touch her. And at one point they asked her how she was doing and they wanted to give her cannoli, but she decided not to take any cannoli from the body. So it was, to me, it was really interesting. And and thank you, Sachi, for going because I don't want to go, but I, would, I do want to know what it was like. You said a bunch of stuff there that's interesting. And I think that that's the main thing that you feel reading this is like, oh, my God, it takes a lot of guts to surround yourself with that much hate directed just at you're in a, 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 yeah, a mob. Terrible. You're in a huge crowd of people who are being incited and revved up yeah. and all of this energy is being directed towards you. And it's just this 
theatrical, you know, having the other right there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the security guards there for kind of mutual protection. Yeah. Because if Sachi were to be set upon or assaulted by a group of people, you know, they would get in trouble. That would be disastrous, just as Charlottesville was disastrous for the rebel when, when Faith Goldie yeah. was there. However, you said something that I had similar questions as you or, or a, a sense of it. Like, Sachi says that she was not surprised that she was made, she was called out and made a focal point and they hurled all these horrible insults at her. I believe that because mm-hmm. Saatchi is, is a high-profile journalist. She's the most high-profile journalist in BuzzFeed's Canadian office. And she has sparred with these people before. She's gone viral for things that they feel that she said that she's, you know, she's fought with trolls. She's been in conflict with Ezra Levant. If you wanted to go and just um, speak to people there, because then you, you were, would go undercover. You would go undercover or there are other reporters there who have much lower public profiles than Saatchi. Um, I would go undercover because they charge $95 for general admission and 150 to the media. Who wants to spend 55 bucks when you don't need to? Yeah, that's Ezra's middle finger to, to the media. Exactly. Is, is so I just go extra. in as like general. Yeah. And then if your goal was to... Uh, Observe. That's right. Because as a media participant, she basically told them in advance, hey, Saatchi Cole here, I'm coming to your conference. She became the story. Now, and a lot you of, don't want to do that. Okay. You want to just observe. Now, you are a journalist who has done some brave things yourself and has put yourself in a kind of immersive environments where you have been undercover. Mm-hmm. You've also been at the focus of a lot of political yeah. firestorms right. and absorbed a lot of hate and racialized hate at times. Right. right. So I was particularly interested in I just in call your that t- racism. I guess it's just right. Ra- <laughs> racialized hate is a lot more syllables than you need, I suppose. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with the old school thing of like, don't become the story, right? Like mm-hmm. if, okay. if Sachi were to have said... I am a high profile, like I'm going to get noticed here. Yeah. And what I'm really writing about, because she says, I originally wanted to write about the alt-right in Toronto and people who came there. But what she ended up writing about was an equally interesting topic, which is the relationship between Trump, the alt-right, Ezra Levant and similar media and the media and how the media gets scapegoated. She said, my subject is how the media becomes a prop Mm -hmm. and a scapegoat and a target. Yeah. I'm a likely target. Yeah. I'm going there and we'll see what happens. Right. I felt it would have been a more honest approach. I mean, the story is about being the target. And yeah. that's I think that's fine. But I think you could also, I mean, she is high profile and she is a woman of color. So, you know, you would stick out there, although there were people of color in the audience. I looked at some of the photos. But I think it's a good story for a white kid to do. Mm-hmm. Like the, I, the undercover version. You yeah, mean. yeah. The undercover would be great. And I tried to get one of my students to do that. Right. She just didn't listen to me. She wanted to write about being lonely in Toronto. It's like, who cares if you're lonely in Toronto? You go infiltrate one of these alt-right groups. Uh, Why do we call them alt-right? Why don't we just call them fascist? I think what, what, the, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. The semantic war over this at a certain point, they wanted to be called. I mean, alt-right is what they called themselves. And another point in time when that got a bad name, they've distanced themselves. Ezra has distanced the rebel. Don't call us alt-right. We're not alt-right. When the alt-right basically became synonymous with white nationalism and, and yeah. neo-Nazism. Yeah, they always want to change the name when it, when everybody understands what it really means. And they go, OK, let's, let's pick another name that nobody gets. Yeah, I like descriptive language. I like yeah. simple, you know, I think that they so – there's some strange things in her piece, too, where she says that the rebel doesn't like kind of overtly – is not overtly racist like the rebels hired faith goldie and gavin mckinnis yeah i think they're pretty documented they are overtly they have published many people who are overtly racist white nationalists white supremacists at a certain point they kick those people out i don't think that that necessarily gives them a pass from anyhow well the thing is she so she told them she was coming which is fine because she's high profile and so she got the story that she got which is a very interesting story but i still think you know what what would happen if you weren't there 
what what are the kinds of things they would talk about yeah. when they don't realize they're being observed. I was missing that too, uh, yeah. because it was just about all the things that were hurled at, at Saatchi, which like I think that's valid too. Yeah, that's valid too. But yeah. I, I would like to see a, an undercover white reporter go in and tell me, because she couldn't, Saatchi couldn't interview anyone, because basically Ezra Levant said nobody talked to her. Yeah. So you're really, uh, you're really hamstrung, and you can only do a first person. This is what happened to me story, which is okay, but. I'd rather know what they really do. And who are these people that want to spend $95 for a, what she called a wet sandwich and seven hours of this ridiculous garbage? <laughs> that would that would be much well, more interesting to me. We're, we're saying that in a province that just elected Doug Ford. So, you know, yeah. I think that that is interesting to me. And I feel like I don't fully know who these people are. And and the fact that so many of them, and this I think ultimately was something that she explored, which is interesting, was that so many of them wanted to publicly, they were part of the mob against her, privately, I'm so sorry, that wasn't okay. Yeah. And Sachi's response I only was, support him 85%. Yeah. I'm not 100%. And she said, don't tell me, go tell him. Yeah, and, and then they go, him. they don't want to. Which was interesting and valid. Yeah, that is interesting. But that contradiction of how these people can overlook certain things and have a laugh at some things, but not really participate, but they're really passionate about a different issue and how people can kind of reconcile themselves to being a part of something that collectively is so disgusting yeah. is uh, a, a question unanswered. But it's the bystander. Yeah. You watch somebody getting bullied, you don't agree, you don't speak up, you're just as bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody spoke up. Nobody said, hey, you know, this is not what we're about. So actually, folks, that is what you're about. Yeah. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Hope everybody enjoyed it. You can email me about it. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com, and I read everything you send me. Our Twitter account is at canadaland. Jen Wong, where can people find you? At writer Wong. That sounds like right or wrong, but it's writer Wong. Check it out. (laughs) Also check out this week's episode of Commons, the last one of the season, which I mentioned earlier. And also this Saturday, the Imposters live show, live comedy, Aliyah Pabani, the end of a year's journey to master or, you know, do comedy. And a bunch of comedians will be critiquing Aliyah's performance and past performances on stage and doing their own comedy. And then she will do a set of comedy. And this can all be something that you witness for yourself. Podcast taping, go to Eventbrite and just search for the Imposter. And that is happening this Saturday in Toronto at Second City. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Patreon.